It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, recapping a busy weekend with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hope you had a great one. Weather phenomenal. Football pretty dang good on Saturday. Didn't include the Longhorns. They enjoyed their bye week. We got to sit back and watch one of the games of the year. Washington and Oregon was a classic. North Carolina's undefeated for Mac Brown. Notre Dame smacks around USC Saturday night. Good stuff. We'll uh, see where the dust has settled coming out of the weekend. NFL, Rod, we just did our What the Fact segment. and um, What the Fact. You know, the Jets beat the Eagles yesterday with three Jalen Hurts interceptions. That's the first time the Jets have ever beaten the Eagles. Ever. Like, ever. As a franchise, ever. Yeah, they had been on eight. That was the longest win streak uh, for for a team against a uh, any other specific team? They played 12 times for that. The 12 times? Right? It's got to be. That's got to be. There's no way that's so a yesterday might have been the 12th time. Yeah, there's no way. That's that, That's got to be the longest win, one, such streak in the NFL. And, of course, after they shellacked the Cowboys on Sunday night, 42-10, to 10, and just uh, – Look like they're at a different level. The uh, 49ers go out and lose to P.J. Walker and the Cleveland Browns. Hey, when you don't have Debo Samuel and you don't have Christian McCaffrey, all-pro at wide receiver and all-pro running back, you know, you're, <laughs> right, your margin for error shrinks a little bit. And Brock Purdy, by the way, little Brock Purdy stat, that was the first time that Brock Purdy, as a starting quarterback, trailed in the fourth quarter longer than two and a half minutes. Like he hadn't trailed in the fourth quarter as a starting quarterback. Well, and then Jim Schwartz is now nine and one as a defensive coordinator against Kyle Shanahan. I don't know what that's about. He has he, he knows something. Nine and one. He needs to start putting on the clinic for how to go against Shanahan. He does. He could. You got to. Everybody's going to hey. turn on that tape now. I mean, you got to have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and <laughs> the personnel of the Browns. That's but true. but wherever not he's been, he knows Jim, something though. Yes, because it's not. He doesn't always have the personnel. You said this has been going on for years. Years. Nine and one now. Yeah. And Jim Schwartz, you know, he's never scored over twenty points in a game against him. That's weird. With all, I mean, even in Atlanta when he had Matt Ryan and had like MVPs, uh, these 49ers team. And yes, they had some injuries yesterday, which were big. But, and of course, if their kicker makes a kick at the end, they would have scored 20 points and won the game 20 to 19. But mm. uh, you just never know. Just never know in the National Football oh, League. And, and that's so why we'll. Uh, and that's why they love it. They want it to be unpredictable. Yeah. That's why we'll tune in tonight and uh, see the Cowboys play the LA Chargers. Man, Kellen that's a, Moore. That's a big one, though. Against that's a big one. For the Cowboys. It's a mental game for the Cowboys because just like you know, the Niners can go from the top back down and lose in Cleveland in the dog pound yesterday, uh, Cow- long Cowboys could you know right some ships and get themselves to 4-2 and two with a win tonight against uh, the Chargers. And, you know, Brandon Staley is very likely to go Brandon Staley. <laughs> you know, he and, he and Dan Lanning can get along. The head coach of Oregon who likes to go for it on fourth down in a reckless behavior well, my way. Listen, Brandon said that I agree with the fourth down calls are questionable and we can get into that. That's not really the biggest indictment on his um, lack of coaching effectiveness. He's a defensive-minded guy. His defense is not good. And they spend a ton of money on defense. Matter of fact, they're like top three most expensive defenses in the NFL, and they're bad. 
with a defensive coach. I don't understand that. By the way, that's more pressure on the Cowboys. Cowboys should if the Cowboys offense can't score some points on this uh, Chargers defense, that should, that, that's going to be a problem too. Because they come, should be able to. And and so I'm in a in a fantasy football matchup in one of my leagues, Rod. Where I'm, I need Tony Pollard to have some points, and mm-hmm. I don't need their kicker Brandon Aubrey to get a bunch of points tonight. I can win. If we come uh, here tomorrow and the kicker outscores Tony Pollard, I'm be pretty mad at Mike McCarthy. I'm gonna tell you, you should right be now. because the Chargers got the last ranked pass defense in the league. Okay. In the league, it's last. I need Tony Pollard. So if anything can fix the issues that the Cowboys have offensively in the passing game, it should be against the Chargers. If they can't fix against the Chargers, they're broken. Yeah, <laughs> and of course the Chargers are it's coming off broken. their coming off their bye week. All right. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the top story though is the the ALCS. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics. The uh, Rangers executed a perfect game plan last night and took Game One. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the news. Yeah, baseball, the thriller, and the uh, heck of a Game One in the All Texas American League Championship Series in Houston last night. Tough and tight all the way through, and in a matchup packed with All Stars, it was a trio of unheralded Rangers that helped push Texas to that two nothing win and a one nothing advantage in the best of seven. 21-year-old rookie Evan Carter doubled and scored in the second inning. Also made a pair of tremendous defensive plays in left field. Big doubleheader in the eighth inning. And the nine-hole hitter, Leody Tavares, hit a solo homer in the fifth to provide all the offense Texas would need. And Jordan Montgomery, of course, uh, the other trade deadline acquisition for the Rangers. He got the game one start and outdueled Houston ace and future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander. Uh, the left-hander handcuffed the Astros for six and two-thirds. He struck out Go six, through. including three times of Jordan Alvarez. He allowed just five hit singles. Montgomery in the bullpen didn't allow a hit to the Astros over the final five innings for a very happy manager, Bruce Bochy. Both sides, uh, great pitching. Uh, we just found a way to get a couple of runs across the board. and That was a difference in the game, obviously. But, uh, um, you know, our guy was really good. Monty, uh, uh, terrific job he did. Uh, he got in a couple jams there and found a way to get out of it. So I thought it would be a low-scoring game. Guys played well. Our defense uh, was outstanding tonight. The kid Carter, I mean, what a game he had out there. And Marcus uh, at the end there, great play on that, that uh, ball coming in. So, you know, we played well. Game two is this afternoon at Minute Maid Park. Nathan Navaldi goes for Texas for Amber Valdez for Houston. Also tonight's game one of the National League Championship Series in Philadelphia. The Phillies host the Arizona Diamondbacks. In L.A. tonight, as we mentioned, week six of the NFL wraps up with the Cowboys facing the L.A. Chargers on Monday Night Football. Wild Sunday yesterday, the final two unbeaten teams in the league lost as heavy favorites while the Houston Texans are back to 500 in Cleveland. It was San Francisco having their regular season win streak snapped at 15. Rookie kicker Jake Moody missed a 41-yard field goal with six seconds to go. That gave the Browns a completely unexpected 19-17 win. As Rod mentioned, both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey suffered injuries in that game. Philadelphia Eagles suffered their first loss of 2023 with the New York Jets forcing four Eagles turnovers, including Jalen Hurts' three interceptions, third of which led to a Brees Hall eight-yard touchdown run with 146 to go. That gave the Jets a 20-14 win. NRG Stadium last uh, yesterday, Houston rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud threw for 199 yards and two scores. Texans defense stood tall, especially in the red zone. Houston improves to 3-3 three and three with a 20-13 win over the New Orleans Saints. College football, a pair of top 10 teams went down on Saturday. That means the Longhorns bump up a spot to number 8 in this week's AP Top 25 while enjoying their bye week. Oregon was one of the losers. They fell to now 5th-ranked Washington in a great game. Also 10th-ranked USC went down at 15th-ranked Notre Dame. Oklahoma was off. They dropped the spot to the number 6. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and 
Florida State still occupy the top four spots. Longhorns, by the way, have opened as a 20-point favorite for this Saturday afternoon's game at the University of Houston. And major props down in San Marcos. Texas State rallied for a pair of touchdowns in the final five minutes on Saturday night. They clawed past into Louisiana Monroe, 21-20. They improved to 5-2 and two on the season, heading into their bye week. Bobcats' first five-win season since 2014, and they still have five to go. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Uh, Rangers were clutch last night. Snow the way around it. And the Rangers are on fire. In fuego. The Rangers have won each of their first six games this postseason. Um, just five teams have started the postseason with a longer win streak than these Rangers. They're rolling, man. They They're are. They're rolling. And well, uh, they've only, they have this, they've trailed at the end of only one full inning this postseason. That's tied for the fewest through the first six games of a single postseason with the 2016 Cleveland Indians. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, 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 the phrase that came out came to my head as I turned the TV off last night and went to bed was just locked in. They're locked in. They just are. <laughs> You know, they just have a look about them right now. I know Ranger fans were excited to see them do it in Tampa. Because, you know, the season, they stumbled to the finish line. We know that. We talked about it, right? Coughing up the division. But you know, instead of pouting about it, they, they went to work, and they rolled through the Rays. They rolled through the Orioles. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Orioles, of course, new to the party, new to the playoff party, and I think they, they really used their experience there. But, you know, last night, it was just a it was textbook. I mean, they, they didn't make any mistakes. And they took advantage of a couple of Houston's, and you know, the only two extra base hits in the game were the Rangers. Rangers had a and, and the double for Evan Carter was a was a hustling, you know, he, he's a he's a rookie, but he looks like he's a six seven year veteran playing uh, in this league. I mean, to, to to see that ball trickle off of Jose Abreu's glove and realize it quickly mm-hmm. out of the box and hustle for a double, I mean that that's a double that should have been a single, right? That's he a can, hustling he can double. Move. He can. He can. He can. But it's also the instincts to see where that you know to understand the situation that that was going to trickle into the outfield and it was going to be a you know tough play for the right fielder to come in and get to get to second base on that and then score on a Jonah Heim hit Uh, that that was huge to get into scoring position on that. Um, Meanwhile, the Astros only had five singles. They didn't have an extra base hit, Uh, and then Evan Carter took away the one that looked like it could have been an extra base hit up against the wall in left field there deep in the well. Um, they turns it into a double play because of a boneheaded, you know, base running blunder by Jose Altuve. Uh, that's just that's taking advantage of your mistakes and just not making any. They're just locked in, Rod. They're not. And the the boy, the, the pitching execution of Jordan Montgomery, um, you know, to strike out Jose uh, Jordan Alvarez three times and really make him look silly three times, uh, pretty damn impressive because he'd been you know on fire. Obviously, you know, both big bats Seager and Alvarez were kind of mm-hmm. neutralized. Um, but you know, as we know in playoff baseball, right, a lot of times it's the the unsung guys that find yeah. a way to make some plays, and the Rangers certainly had it last night. Yeah, they've been uh, they've outscored their opponents now in the postseason by twenty two runs, and like I said last night, they pretty much won with clutch hitting and, and defense, great pitching, and man, yeah, that's it's a scary thought. Game two that this Rangers team is confident. And I kept hearing your stats in, in my head last night talking about how subpar the Astros are at home. And if they've been, and, and I'm thinking maybe that's no reason, that's a reason why Astros fans shouldn't panic because that has been the case all season long. And if, if there's anything that this team can do, it would, it would be still one at the Gilf to take back home field advantage. But man, now game two is. Huge. Biggest, yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's, it's unbelievable well, how big this game is now for the Astros. You lose this one, and I don't 
I don't know if there's um that I don't know if the Rangers would this Rangers team would let down if they got up 2-0. I don't I don't know if I'd no. see that. Well, Not this they, team. And that's the thing, right? Not yeah, this one. It's, it's starting to feel at least in my uh, rattled brain. It just feels like you know it's a it's like Texas OU, right? It's a rivalry game. Throw out the throw out the records, throw out the stats, and we're, we're going to tune in each night and probably see something we didn't expect. And um, you know, last night you probably didn't expect Leody Tavares and Evan Carter to be the heroes, and Jordan Montgomery to outpitch Justin Verlander. But we we all watched it. Uh, who knows what to see tonight? But but so yeah, it's, you know, when the winners of Game One go on to win the series, sixty five percent of the time in the LCSs. But you know, the Astros are. Four games under 500 at home this year. Now after last night, four games under. They're 40 and 44. It's unbelievable. But they're 22 games over on the road. So, you know, I mentioned there. I go back to the to the Astros World Series with Washington, where uh, the home team never won a game. The Astros lost both at home to Washington, went on the road, won all three, came back home and had one chance to to win two games, and they couldn't. Uh, it's it, it feels like that kind of weird series. I don't know that, uh, but boy, if the Rangers keep executing their game plan like they are and not and playing pretty flawless baseball, it's going to be tough. Last week we had uh, was it Steve Sparks on? Yeah, Steve Sparks and on he, Friday. Uh, we asked him about that, and you know, throughout my theory that they they like they like being the villains now, and they're villains on the road. Yeah, yeah. And that actually is something that psych- psychologically with this team, it's kicked in, and it it kicks in on the road when they hate it and they boo and everything like that. Hopefully that is the case, but man, they will be talk about villains. I don't know if they're bigger villains than any other ballpark in the country. Than they would be in the Gulf. Yeah. So hopefully that that villain uh, embracing the villainy psychology kicks in for the Astros because they're gonna need it. Even if they win Game Two, they still gonna need it. Well, not only they going to go steal one at the, at the Gilf, at least. Yeah, well, this one feels like a must-win for Houston. I today. agree. No doubt. Uh, and they need good Fran Valdez, obviously. For the Rangers, you feel really good about Nathan Evaldi. I thought Nathan Evaldi was starting last night's game, and all of a sudden it's the left-hander, Jordan Montgomery, as Bruce Bochy, you know, you know, with a bit of a surprise for me. But that was an awesome call because he neutralized Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez from the left side. He was just outstanding, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll take your thoughts, your thoughts on Rangers taking game one. If you're an Astros fan, if you're listening to Rod Babers and the villain side, then if you're going to the game today down in Houston, you're going to make the trip down for the just after mm-hmm. 3 o'clock. Boo the hell out of them. You start booing. You start booing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quit, yeah, quit praising them. Quit praising them. No, that's not good. Don't no. clap for them. Boo them. No, boo them. Boo. Right. boo. Suck. Get some Go signs. For... Talk about trash cans. Bring some signs oh, yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Bang I agree. Trash. They thing. need to be heckled. They need to be heckled. Something. And yes, I agree with you. You might be on to something because that. And by, were they like this in 2022? No. Some of that home though. One thing, one thing no, did, I did they struggle at home a little bit too? I know the hitting struggled at home in 2022. I don't know if they were losing like this, like you said. Had we, I don't think the numbers would tell you you've never seen a team that is has this many wins, is yeah. playing this far but to be this, this is, under 500 at home. Going, against, going up against the Rangers, you've talked about how streaky the Rangers are, and right now they are streaking, man. And this is it's aligning up with the Astros and that trend of them losing at home. And like I said, game two, the Astros need to buck the trend. They got to because yeah. this thing could be be. It ain't gonna say it's over, but the fat lady going. She's warming up if the Rangers go up two zero. And I got to start thinking about ordering this damn Lucha Libre mask, which I didn't even entertain. Find the uniform. I just threw it out there. Like I was like, ah, no big deal. And now I actually have to see if they got my size, and I got to pay for this thing. This thing is expensive too. 
It's expensive, damn it. We'll get Ty Henderson's thoughts from the Rangers side of this thing coming up. We'll also uh, continue to preview Cowboys or Chargers tonight, Monday Night Football. We'll do that in Roger. To wrap we can up get week into that. six. Got to get into that coming yeah. up. Let me tell you about Brain Vault, though. Brain Vault, a revolutionary patented mouth garb, the orthotic we tell you about. Dr. Greg Eckert is my dentist, but he also has been working with NFL agent Drew Pittman uh, for the last uh, almost a decade now in bringing Brain Vault uh, to you. And it really is a, a great, great thing. It helps. Uh, it's proven scientifically, research-based, to help reduce the risk of concussions. It's a mouth guard that helps reduce the risk. It's pretty incredible. And now your young athlete in a collision sport can be fitted for his or her own mouthpiece or, or, or mouth guard. Uh, we told you Drew Pittman is an agent that's a partner with Drew, Drew, Dr. Record in this. Uh, he's had over 100 NFL players that he represents wearing the orthotic for the last eight years with no concussions reported, none. Uh, it is it aligns the, the jaw position properly for the moment of contact and impact, strengthens the neck muscles. The alignment is important. That's why it needs to be fitted to your mouth and your jawline and your, your uh, uh, mouth structure. Uh, but, boy, once you have it, it has been proven to reduce the risk of concussion and, and concussions and concuss- concussive forces. So it's time to play hard and stay safe with Brain Vault. All you have to do is go to that website, BrainVault.com. BrainVault.com, you can learn more about it. You see the... Uh, the, the the trusted by professionals stuff, talking about NFL players wearing it and uh, how it has helped them. It optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens the neck muscles to minimize concussive forces, and it's research-based to be to be absolutely proven uh, and then used in the, in the field of football. Uh, and so if your young athlete needs to be fitted or your team of athletes, you know, the uh, Vandergriff entire football team, uh, several football teams around the area, Lake Travis and others, wearing the mouth guard now. Go to BrainVault.com. It's BrainVault.com. It's time to play hard, but play safe with BrainVault. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right. Um, we just talked about <laughs> a little bit about the Chargers defense, but just to remind folks out there, uh, the Chargers defense is struggling right now. They are, uh, I think, last in the NFL, 32nd in the NFL, no excuse for that, in pass defense. So the Cowboys offense doesn't really have an identity right now. I mean, he played the sound of CeeDee Lamb being asked, hey, what's the Cowboys offensive identity? And him having no idea, just could just like had no answer. He was stupefied. He <laughs> couldn't even say what it was. He didn't he could just say Texas Coast offense or Texas Coast offense, but I think that was just uh, showing how visibly frustrated a guy like CeeDee Lamb is. So the Cowboys in this matchup against Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore-led offense of the Chargers. Um, the Chargers' offense is a top-five offense. Kellen Moore's offenses, honestly, under the Cowboys, were always top-five, top-six offenses, too. Um, but it is a top-five offense. And if you go look at, right now, the Cowboys' offense, it's it's struggling to find its way. Dak Prescott, I think the goal of the Texas Coast offense, when Mike McCarthy called the plays, I believe the goal of it, ultimately, was – to, to lower the risk, lower the risk factor in Dak's game to and, and hopefully keep the reward factor really high. Last season, he was a high-risk, high-reward quarterback. But prior to that, Dak was not an inter, uh, interception-prone quarterback. He was That was not something that was naturally into, in his game. Uh, prior to last season, he had thrown an interception on 
uh, 2% of his career passes. Um, matter of fact, that was only like 0.2 percentage points behind Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes uh, for his career interception rate. He's still top 10 all time in interception rate. So it wasn't a huge issue, but it, it got a lot of headlines. And even I said, I think the Cowboys may be overreacting to it. I think he'll, you know, he'll come back to his old self in 2023. Now he did throw three picks in a row <laughs> versus San Fran. But even with that number, Interception rate is down for 2023. His interception rate is still down. So I guess mission accomplished with the Texas Coast offense. Problem is his yards per attempt also down. Uh, by the way, his yards per attempt are down to the lowest uh, that it's been um, in Dak Prescott's career. So his yards per attempt are lower than it's been at any time in his career. Uh, his QBR is down. His success rate is down. EPA per play is down. And all because the Texas Coast offense, the intention was to run the football more, uh, play ball control, win games. The Cowboys are averaging fewer yards per rush than they have in any of the 10 previous seasons. Yeah. And yards per attempt is down to the lowest in Dak's career. I just don't know whether Texas Coast offense is working. And I think this is one of those situations, and we've seen this in football before. Unfortunately, we've seen it on the 40 acres where the, the cure is worse than the disease itself. Uh, Mac Brown tried to fix the Texas offense after losing to Alabama, and he wanted to do it by making the offense look more like Alabama's offense, power running game, being able to run downhill on teams. And unfortunately, it sent Texas into a bit of a – an offensive identity crisis <laughs> and they didn't honestly you can argue they're just coming out of it with Steve Sarkeesian um, but because of that you know that was that was Mac Brown trying to fix the Texas offense when in reality that was never his MO his MO was you know look at the Texas talent and then build the offensive identity around the talent that's why it would change year to year uh, VY's offense looked different than Chris Sims offense Chris Sims offense looked a little bit different than Colts offense every offense looked different based on the talent that was the one time that Max said I'm gonna force the issue I will call my shot this is the offense we're gonna have he had never done that before and turns out his cure was way worse than the disease, which ended up you know, losing you that Texas-Bama uh, game and losing a national championship for, um, for Mac. But ultimately, it was just because his quarterback got hurt. He just overreacted. It was an overreaction. I believe the Tex Coast offense is now proving to be an overreaction to Dak's interception-prone season, his interceptions in 2022, because the offense isn't working. It's just it's not and I know Dak's interceptions are down, but, hell, man, everything else is down. Remember, Dak was only averaging eight interceptions per season prior to last season. It wasn't a huge issue, but I do believe the fix has really set them back. Um, Cowboys' quick game is up, so they're throwing the ball um, shorter, and they're throwing it, you know, getting the ball out of his hands, and the rhythm of the offense is supposed to be a West Coast rhythm, and they don't really have that because the wide receivers are now on the same page with Dak. So all the stats would point to it's not working. Dallas has the third highest rate of pass plays where no wide receiver is considered open. Uh, that's a pro football focus stat. Only Washington and Pittsburgh have fewer, so that's Matt Canada <laughs> and Eric Bieniemy. Shout out to them. But that, like I said, all of the different analytical models you look at would point to the Cowboys Tex Coast offense struggling to find its way and its identity if they can't get on track versus the Chargers. Worst pass defense in the league 
and I believe it's twenty. They are twenty sixth in scoring scoring defense. If you can't find your word versus the Chargers, e I, you know I I dare to say um, that the Cowboys offense may be a liability this season. Feels like it. Yeah, they're allowing uh, almost you know three hundred pass yards a game, two hundred eighty eight, almost two hundred eighty nine yards through the air. Oh no, this it's yeah, and um, you know. They do get Austin Eckler back. They are off a bye week. They know they played this game and then the Chiefs back to back coming out of their bye. They can score now. Yeah. So But they can't stop anybody. Right. And they shouldn't you know, their last game. the The last game before their bye week though, you know, Khalil Mack came alive, had five sacks in one game against the Raiders. So Very true. Um, but yes, I I agree with you 100. I mean, Cowboys need to score points in this game. This can't be a defense. You can't expect your defense to win this game for you. Coming off a bye against Kellen Moore, who's had a week to prepare. He's going to have you know getting Austin Eckler in, back involved. He's going to have an ability with Justin Herbert to move the football and score some points. Dak Prescott has to. You can't just protect him, right? As you say, you can't. You've got to go go get it. I mean, you got to get CD Lamb involved early and often. You've got to get. Uh, Brandon Cooks, remember, remember you, you oh, traded for him. Man. He's still on your team, isn't he? Brandon Cooks, I want to get him going they, in this football yeah. game. I, I, like I said, I think they have to kind of go back to some. Unfortunately, ironically, go back to some of the Kellen Moore principles that were working really well to maximize Dak and to really, uh, you know, make this offense a, a little bit more explosive. Because right now they have lost the element of explosivity. Um, and to give you a little stat here, the Indy ran on. This is why people think that Brandon Saley's on the hot seat. As a matter of fact, the Cowboys can actually end up um, helping Kellen Moore a little bit because they expose Brandon Saley some more, and Staley may be out, and Kellen Moore may be the the next uh, runner-up as the head coach there in in, in L.A. But the Chargers are number one in the league this season in, in cap spending on defense. I thought they were just like top five. They're number one. They spend more money on defense than any team in the league, and they rank dead last in pass defense. And they rank twenty sixth in t- in scoring defense. That's why Brandon said he's on the hot seat. I- in addition to the fourth down um, idiocracy, well, and just bad decision making <laughs> late in yeah. games. Uh, all right, there you go. Cowboys tonight, uh, part of a really busy sports Monday with two LCSs, the Astros and Rangers, and the Diamondbacks and Phillies get started tonight, and the Cowboys wrap up Week Six in the NFL at L.A. against the Chargers. Uh, Good stuff today for sure. Hey, coming back, uh, we will continue these conversations, good, bad, and ugly from the busy weekend, including uh, Longhorns took the weekend off. But how about the Aggies? Another loss for Jimbo Fisher and the Ags. We'll continue to talk the Saturday and uh, the fallout from a big, busy week seven in the the, uh, college football ranks. We'll get to all that. Before the end of the hour, some bullish and BS as well. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Good, bad, and ugly on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Texas Rangers really good last night. Outstanding performance by Texas. Bruce Bochy's team executing at a very, very high level. Getting big contributions from some unsung players. And Leody Tavares with a big home run. Evan Carter with a hustle double and a couple of big defensive plays. They get the win, 2-0. Margin slim in that series. And the Rangers took advantage of a couple of big Houston mistakes and uh, 
They didn't make any as they take game one. Huge game today. Game two is this afternoon, three just after 3 o'clock down at Minute Maid Park with Justin with uh, Framber Valdez against Nathan Evaldi there. Uh, also on the good side, Rod, uh, Georgia is still undefeated in college football. Yes, they, they are. Somewhat scuffled with Vanderbilt. Weren't overly impressive, but won. Michigan continues to roll. They crushed Indiana. Ohio State impressively passed Purdue. And Florida State is undefeated. Hey, Florida State. Now, ACC, Florida State, they may have some. I, I thought they have an easier schedule, but it, it may come down to, like, North Carolina still in there. So it'll be a, t- a title game, right, if they meet North Carolina? Yeah, it'll be in the Ooh, ACC championship yeah. game. Man, it's title games. If everything, if, if these if these teams kind of stay on this collision course, Texas, Oklahoma, um, obviously, you know, look at Florida State, North Carolina, man, you could have your de facto quarterfinal games well, <laughs> of the college football playoff. Because Texas, Oklahoma, if they both take care of business, would definitely be one. Whoever wins that game would be in. You're right about that. To the playoff. And I assume the ACC would work out the same way if Florida State and North, and, and North Carolina still stay undefeated. Yeah, because they don't play in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, and Mac Brown's team, it's, it's, it's curious Biden. that when you look at the uh, top ten, both, both one lost Texas and one lost Alabama are ahead of undefeated North Carolina. Which is at least where the pollsters have it seated. Oh, and, and uh, that receiver that's back—he scored like three touchdowns. Yeah, Tez Watkins. Yeah. <laughs> Tez Watkins. Uh, yeah, Drake yeah. Mays now got now got a, an NFL receiver to throw yeah. to. He made it. He made an immediate impact. Well, that's why Mac was so impassioned <laughs> to try to get that guy yeah. back. He's like, yeah, he called out the NCAA. He, he publicly shamed the NCAA, yeah. and now we know Mac was like, "Hey, y'all may cost me a college football playoff appearance, man. That's my Give dude. Me my receiver back. That's my dude. Yeah, he got him back. Uh, man. But obviously, the game of the weekend was in Seattle, where Washington beat Oregon. What a game! What a game! Yeah, bullish. Um, I'm bullish on I'm bullish on on Penix in Washington. Well, you know, if you go to the NCAA stats right now, the number one offense in the country is Oregon. The number three offense is Washington, and mm-hmm. they just played one heck of a ball game. And you know, Oregon fans will will be upset a little bit. I think with Dan Lanning, their head coach, for yeah. the fourth down decisions. I get it. Uh, you know, the one late in the game was was odd, but it, you know, they still had a chance because they still had some time to come back and try to kick that field goal. You know, to 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 tie the game. Uh, but, man, Michael Penix, and I, I give credit to Andy Staples over at uh, e, uh, theathletic.com. He was the one who was at Seattle and, and said it was the fun, most fun game he's covered all year and one of the most fun since. And he compared it to the 2019 game when LSU and Joe Burrow beat Tua and Alabama 46-40 hmm. in an absolute shootout. shootout. Yeah, And it was just an unbelievable back-and-forth game. And, and from that point on, LSU rolled and uh, beat everybody on their schedule. They beat Georgia that year. They beat Oklahoma and Clemson in the Final Four. And you wonder if this Michael Penix-led team, a sixth-year player playing in an offense that he knows like the back of his hand, having played in in Indiana and now at Washington with these NFL receivers he's throwing to, they're going to be hard to beat. They have a tough schedule, mm-hmm. but so did LSU that year, Rod. Yeah, and and Joe Burrow, remember he was an older quarterback because at that point yeah. he was like not even taking, he was taking like one class or something like that. He's basically and he was kind of unheralded coming into the season, right? It was just like you know, yeah. Joe Burrow's he's returning starter, but he's a pretty good player, tough guy. You, nobody saw the, him that. breaking out that like he did yeah. that year and become the number one overall pick. And Penix, yeah, people were high on him, but they weren't Heisman high on him. But now I think he's the Heisman front runner. Yeah, and well, yeah, after oh, that game, and what a good thrower of the football he is, Ooh, man! His ball placement, his deep ball is his. It has laser accuracy on his deep ball. It's unbelievable. He really does, and his receivers go. He gives his receivers a chance to go up and get it, and all all too often they go up and make plays. I mean, that was a big time throw to for the clinching touchdown. Yeah, I mean, um, I you know, we got to see him down, and I, I saw him live. Roma Dun- uh, Dunze, uh, mm-hmm. Duns. I mean, what a great player. 
Uh, he's got now six touchdown catches. Jalen Polk's really good. Two NFL yeah, receivers. Yeah, one of the guys was like hurt on the sideline. Ended up having two of the three really good receivers that end up having 100 yards. And I think the other one was, I don't know if he dealt with some injury or something like that, but they, they might have the, one of the best wide receiving cores in the country. Nobody talks about them, how good they are. Yeah, and Bo yeah. Nix was really good too. I mean, uh, he you know, the red zone – I, I, almost Bo like Nicks. Dan Lanning trusted their his quarterback too much, right? So too many fourth down, and he, and the fourth down plays they called in the red zone, and then late in the game were, I didn't think they were the best of best of calls. Uh, Will Stein, of course. Oh is yeah, own. I'm with you on that. I don't mind him going the decision to go for, but yeah, I didn't like the play call. No, that was terrible. Yeah, well, and they still had a chance to tie that game, send it to overtime. It was the only thing lacking in that game was was getting to overtime and seeing some extra football, but the kid missed the kick and. Um, they oh. get the three point victory. What a game! What Bo a game. Nix, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Feels like, like it, right? <laughs> and he played like good. He deserved <laughs> he better. Does. It I'm, felt like in no, that game. That's but. not a knock on Bo Nix. Just feels like it never works yeah. out. Where you know he plays well and they win, and then everybody's talking about man, Bo Nix is leading this team to you know a championship appearance or that kind of thing. Like he, he and he plays for great teams. He does well, <laughs> and obviously the game to look forward to this week is now number three against number six with Ohio State hosting Penn State. That'll be a hell of a yeah. game. You're a local fan. You got love. They're just knocking each other off yeah. in front of you. You just well, got to sit you know back Ohio and take State care of business. Penn State will play. Then Michigan and Ohio State will play. Penn State and Michigan will play. Now Florida State's the one team that really doesn't have until they get to a title game. Until they get to a title game. Yeah. Uh, because when you look at Florida State and give Mike Norvell a lot of credit, I mean he is doing a heck of a job there. They're undefeated through six games for the first time since like 2014 mm-hmm. when Jimbo Fisher was there. Who they got Duke though? Uh, Duke is this week. Mm-hmm. Duke's yeah. this week, and so that, that game will be at uh, at home for them. Yeah, that's nice. And Bobby Bowden Field at Dope Campbell Stadium. But see, they got rival games though. That's the thing about it. See, they Florida. Yeah, they Miami. got Florida and my. So yeah, they the last like I guess ranked matchup they'll see is Duke. So like Texas, they had the kind of front loaded part of their schedule with all their marquee yeah, big time games. Clemson. Yeah, so you and like Texas, they took care of business for the most part. Um, but yeah, you're right. Those rival games at the end could come back to haunt Florida State, man. You know anything can happen in a rival game. Yeah, in state rival. Who just got beat up by North Carolina? Florida's going to be desperate to make a bowl game at the Florida end of the season. Sur- what a comeback they had against South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, in the SEC. They're feeling, yeah, they got some momentum going. That could be trouble for Florida State. Well, and then you sit there at number seven and number eight, and you have Texas and Oklahoma coming off bye weeks, and you know very navigatable schedules the rest of the way because the Big Twelve is just down now. You know Iowa State has suddenly woken up. Oklahoma State. With Mike Gundy is suddenly awake. Home dog. Hey, good job, Ty. I told you. You take anytime Gundy's a home dog, take it, man. He is, I don't know what, he's won nine out of the last ten. Yeah, he's all of a sudden found something. They look so bad in <laughs> September. And here we are in October, and you know, Mike Gundy team's getting better. Yep. By the way, in our picks head to head, tie five and five, I went two, two, and one, and you went two and three. Just so you know. Okay. okay. I, had the, I had the push with Washington because I had Oregon, but I had mm. three points, and it ended up three point game. Mm. So I, I pushed that. Um, we'll get to we'll, we'll grade ourselves coming up. But I went two two and one. Ty went two and three. I bet. And uh, the one that hurt you was Purdue. Yeah, Purdue ah. and Ohio. Desmond Ritter lost his first home game. And can I give oh, you? Oh yeah, Desmond right. Ritter. About yeah, that. the Saints got beat by the Commanders. Did you see the one handed catch by Bijan though. Bijan's ridiculous. This is like his third one handed catch. He's ridiculous. <laughs> well, this is like a, a catch that Randy Moss would make. It wasn't. This guy's it was a running back. A, it was an all time great. It was like it was like a it was a one that you should catch over the shoulder. And he went and caught it with like the 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 backhand. It was a weird left hand. Yeah, it was like why? Usually you catch that over the shoulder, almost a basket catch. No, Bijan decided to go up in traffic and one hander on him. Yeah, like Odell Beckham style. All right, good, bad, and ugly, Rod. I'll give you a bad. Can I? I I don't know how much longer Jimbo Fisher has at Texas A and M. 
Well, because that team is trending poorly. He's like, give me my money. I know that's all in he wants. Cash. <laughs> Can I give you this? And I give credit to Greg Tepper up at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He had this stat. I, I added it up though. He put the list. You know, they brought in Bobby Petrino to fix the offense. And I know for Texas A and M, they they have a, they've had trouble keeping their quarterback healthy. Mm-hmm. Really, since Kellen Mond, they've been unable to keep a quarterback upright. And now yeah. they're down to Max Johnson as their backup because Connor Wiegman got hurt. But in their last twenty-four, Rod. Oh no. Twenty-four second-half possessions. Second half. So adjustments. Adjustments. Offensive adjustments, countermeasures, things of that nature. They lost to Tennessee 17-13 on Saturday. In their last 24 second-half possessions, counting, nine punts, seven turnovers, three made field goals, three missed field goals, a safety allowed, and one touchdown. Wow. Ooh. That's not good. That's ugly. That's bad. That's crazy. Say it again. Nine punts. Hold on. This how many games is this? Do we know two games? Two games? How I many? I think it's two and a half games. Two, oh, two and a half games worth of possessions? Okay. Wow. Last 24, second half possessions. Oh, man. Punted nine times, turned it over seven, made three field goals, missed three field goals, a lot of safety, so and 16 scored points one touchdown. Total in those two and a half. But you've how many? Basically, I mean, you've got. As many missed field goals and turnovers. I mean, that's crazy to think about that. How many you've basically allowed essentially giving up more points based off, based off turnovers and missed field goals. Two and two now in the ACC. You're you know, four and three overall. And back to back losses to Alabama and Tennessee. Now those are ranked teams. But um, I wonder what that means on the recruiting trail. I'd ask my man Jerry <sighs> Hamilton about that. I bet that's big for Texas on the recruiting trail that they're starting to Hit the hit a spiral a little bit. Well, that's got to be big. Well, I mean, you brought in Bobby Petrino to rev up the offense. They feel like they have more. Their offensive line was dreadful on Saturday. I mean, Tennessee just overwhelmed them up front. Max John, lucky Max Johnson didn't get killed in that game. He was under constant pressure. Uh, he took a ton of hits, and Tennessee really just owned the the line of scrimmage in that game, twenty to thirteen. The final, they get the victory. They get an off week now. A and M's off, and then they get South Carolina down at Kyle Field in a huge game in two weeks. But uh, things not trending well for Jimbo Fisher. That's pretty obvious right now. They're just, a, just an average team. Listen, there's talent there. We know that. I know. It's just tons of talent. It's one of the most talented And their team. defense deserved better. I mean, their defense yeah. against Alabama, their defense was outstanding against Arkansas. Defense was good again this week. And they're just doing nothing on offense, Rod. Doing nothing on well, offense. It's I thought Bayer Petrino would at least add some juice, modernize that offense. I think he has modernized it, but it still does not look like it's an offense that's in sync at all. And that's troubling. The second half possession thing is really troubling because yeah, that's the that's that's the chess match within the game. That's your coach is making adjustments, um, being able to counter the uh, the game plan, the scheme of the other team, and they're they're ineffective. Yeah. They're I mean, it seems like they're getting worse. Well, one of their punts in the second half on Saturday led to the short punt out of the end zone punt return touchdown for Tennessee, which really swung the football game because Tennessee wasn't moving the ball either. I mean, uh-huh. Joe Milton was equally bad offensively for the Volunteers, but uh, uh, it was just a rock fight. No, and uh, the, ball, cluck. <laughs> the punt uh-huh. return ended up being the difference in the football game. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it is bullish or BS on a Monday. Uh, recapping a busy weekend. Rangers-Astros, uh, the NFL <laughs> upside down for sure. College football. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Bullish or BS? Time here on Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. Rod Ty, you guys bullish or BS on the Cowboys tonight? Call them bullish 
Feeling good about it? Coming off the humiliation I'm, against the 49ers? I'm not feeling good about it, no. But I, I think the Cowboys should win, but I'm not feeling good about it, no. Who's favorite? What's the line on this game? Cowboys are favored by one and a half. That make, that's exactly, that, that reflects my anxiety right there. Like, I don't like it. I'm not feeling great about it. But I, they should win. They're not even giving the, uh, the Chargers the home field three points. Ty, what do you think? You feeling bullish? You're the Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Feeling good? You feeling good? That's your ra- really that's, that's that's Rangers mojo. Really. I really don't care, to be honest. Exactly. Oh, what do you mean you don't care? Because his Rangers are playing so well. You're yeah. out? You've like sold all your See? mojo. No, his Rangers are playing so well. He doesn't give a damn about the Cowboys right now. They win tonight. He'll be right back on. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to watch it, but I'm, I mean, I'm not going to put my heart and soul. He's not emotionally invested anymore. <laughs> it's like his girlfriend. I give it up. It's over. I love it, though. No, I feel the same. Listen, I'm a quasi-Cowboys fan. I don't feel great about it. Kelly Moore knows this Cowboys organization so well. He knows every part of this. So I wonder if this is Kellen Moore's, you know, he's going to try to paint his masterpiece and go, all right, I know every part of this organization. Even Brandon Staley is going to give me pretty much the keys to run practice this week, offensively and defensively, because I got so much info. I got so much inside information on this squad, on this culture, on everything. And I wonder if they're going to let Kellen Moore basically be kind of the quasi-head coach this week. You go, Malcolm, you got it, man. You got off week. Get us ready to beat them damn Cowboys on national TV and save Brandon Staley's job, by the way, too, because his What's job is uh, he's on the hot seat. Well, as we watched yesterday, mm-hmm. nothing will surprise you tonight. The Cowboys come out and score 40-some points. You never know. Would I mean, not surprise them, me at all. It wouldn't surprise you at all. Well, because Charge's defense is bad. They're 26 in scoring defense, so yeah. <laughs> I'll say this in bullish or BS. Or, uh, here's what we now know. The young Oregon head coach, Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning. He's going to go for it on fourth down, and he's going to screw it up. <laughs> Just going to say it. Look, you know, last year, they you played Washington, last year they played Washington in Oregon, and they went for it on fourth and a yard with 126 to go in their own territory mm-hmm. and lost the game 37-34. Yeah. Saturday, <sighs> they went for it in their own territory, uh, trailing – Actually, they had with with the lead because they had taken the lead and didn't get it. Washington scores two plays later, and they win the game thirty six thirty three. He also went for it. At the, he went for a fourth down with yeah. the, in chip shot field goal range in the first half, mm-hmm. early on in the second in the third quarter. So many points we're talking here. Six to nine points. Well, not, he he cost himself six. Cost himself six. Uh, because he just didn't take the points. And that's it really was a three point game. So yeah, I mean that's enough right there. I mean, at, oh, the, but, but at, I, the, at the end of the first half it was twenty two eighteen, Rod. And they had I mean if you watch the game, they couldn't stop Washington early in the game. But they had gotten back control of it and they had Mike uh, intercepted Michael Penix and they took the ball down to like the four yard line and there was one play left. It was fourth down and it was gonna be the last play of the half regardless, whether it was fourth down or or you know, go to go to the the time was gonna run out. And they went for it instead of just kicking the three points. It would have been 22-21 at half. Doesn't do it. Mm. Early third quarter, same thing. Doesn't kick it. And then fourth quarter, with the lead, goes for it again. And, you know, I, it, it felt like his fourth, team outplayed Washington. He just made dumb decisions. The fourth quarter one, you could argue, all right, you should have learned your lesson. <laughs> right strategy needs to change. I understand the strategy going in because – Washington is such a high-powered offense. I think he was just in his head thinking, they're at home. We might have to just outscore this team, and I got to take some chances to do it, make sure we keep the ball to do it. And, by the way, keep them from getting the football back. Um, I, I'm with you. I think at one point you need to pivot. There's a, that's a, that's a time to pivot, and there's a time to double down. That, the fourth quarter was time to pivot at that point. When you're up, right, time to pivot, take the points. All right, bullish or BS? Oh, how about this? Oh, sorry. Somebody? Give it to me. All right. Um, okay, how about this? 
This actually just came down this morning. The IOC, International Olympic Committee. Oh, boy. They approved flag football for the 2028 Summer Olympics, baby. Get Tyreek Hill. Bullish or BS on that. I am I'm bullish on it. And I'll tell you what. And by the way, the NFL is too. The NFL has been pushing for this for a long time. Remember I had to rant last week about it. NFL has a two-pronged strategy to try to spread the game internationally, but also kill two birds with one stone and also try to get more and more young girls interested in football. Flag football is the key in places like California. They've already approved flag football for the high school level so girls can play it. Uh, they also internationally have approved flag football. Right now, there are girls playing uh, flag football has doubled since 2018. They want to get more women interested in football, which means young girls. And they also want to spread the game internationally. And flag football is definitely the best way to do it. Um, so there you go. Big. That's a big move. The NFL the is IOC. popping bottles right now. That's for right 2028, now. right? Yeah, 2028 Summer Olympics. They popping bottles right now in the NFL office. This is a big one for them. I'm going to predict we win the gold medal. I'm bullish on that. <laughs> USA. If we don't, there'll be some. There'll be there'll be a dream team set up there. If we oh, that'll be a dream team. It'll be, be like dream. Charles Barkley dunking on little African dudes. Seriously, man. Seriously. It'd be I'll, awesome. Uh, but yeah, Mexico and France and Japan, they already have flag football teams set I up. I got us. Yeah. So we'll USA, 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 USA. There you go, baby. Hey, by the way, Oregon on that bullish or BS, they're number one in total offense in the country. They're number 13 in total defense. Only team in the country in the top 15 in both, yet they lost that game. Mm-hmm. Should have had it. That's Just one. And dang coaching mistake. Dang coaching mistake. Give, <laughs> give Washington a ton of credit, though. What a performance. We'll be back. Hook them up.